I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. Hey, you guys. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, my brand new podcast. I'm really excited to bring this to you guys. Uh, I have an amazing following on my social platforms, and I really just wanted to be able to talk to you more in depth about a lot of the things that we already discuss. Um, so you guys might know me from my HGTV show, Good Bones, or you might not know me at all. Uh, so this is going to be a little bit of a get to know you episode. It's definitely just going to be a small snippet. Um, and we will go into more depth on a lot of these topics later on in, in more episodes. But I wanted to give you guys at least a little bit of background. So let's start from the beginning. Very brief background of, you know, I, I'm, I was born in 1984, so I'm 38 now. I grew up just on the west side of Indianapolis, kind of in the suburbs, um, mom and dad. I had two siblings from my parents. They divorced when I was three. Very, very ugly divorce. And it did not stop being ugly until I turned 18 and there was nothing left to fight about. We'll definitely go into that in later episodes. But after that, they both also married three more times. So we've got a total of eight marriages and six divorces, seven divorces. My mom got divorced again recently. Oh gosh, when you forget about how many divorces there is, you got for sure some baggage. My childhood was kind of crazy. I mean, in all, like, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, blessed. I, you know, my dad is an orthopedic surgeon. My mom, um, went to law school. She actually, uh, she was a lot younger than my dad. She had me when she was 25. And I think they're about 15, 18 years apart. So after she had uh, the three of us, she actually went back to law school and started practicing law. So lots of change, um, lots of different parents, different parenting styles. When I look back at it, I was always fed. I was always clothed. I had a great education. Um, my parents loved me. And there was a lot of turmoil and dysfunction. All the adults, I think, doing the best that they could do, which I'm really just kind of learning now at this this later stage in my adult life. They could still be doing the best they could at the time and it not be enough and not be what I needed and them still be good people that I love. Um, and so that's probably a whole like episode series arc uh, talking about you know, growing into that and and learning how to view your parents as adults and parents and and separate those things. So for a long time, um, it was tough. Um, you know, there was a period when I my mom was married to her second husband and I was really unhappy with a lot of the treatment and um, behaviors, living situation. And I I think I was around 10 or 12 where I didn't want to go there anymore because uh, it was so unpleasant and unhealthy. And I, you know, kind of, did, we didn't do it through the courts. I just didn't go one day. But I, I pretty vividly remember this day and my mom being on the other side of our glass front door not understanding, not you know, and crying and being upset and said some things that really took 
decades for me to get past. Um, and that I think was kind of the start of what was a very up and down relationship for my mom and I. You know, we became very close again after that. Her third husband was a lovely man. Um, I think what she did was kind of find, you know, the the furthest thing from my dad and her second husband. So, you know, her third husband was a judge. He was very reliable. He was very boring. He was very safe. They lived in the suburbs. You know, she would make dinner and pack my sister's lunch because by this time, you know, my sister Kelsey was, she's eight years younger than me. So even, you know, Kelsey got a very different mom than I did, which I think happens for a lot of siblings that aren't close uh, close in age back to back like my brothers and I were. And as I got a little bit older um, in high school, my dad took a job in Kentucky. But I had been living with my dad and he had custody of me when this happened. My brothers were mainly living with my mom and I didn't want to live with my mom, which started a really, really big battle over custody of me when I was you know, 17 years old. And because of a lot of the things that I felt, again, I guess I want to rewind. I want to pause for just a second because I think it's really, really important talking about any of my background or any of these episodes moving forward. Everything that I am talking about is, it sounds so like, I hate even saying it, but it's my truth. It's not the truth. There are so many different truths. There is what my mom experienced, what my brothers experienced, what the, they experienced differently from each other versus what I did. And we all were in the same place at the same time going through the same experience. And what we remember, what we felt, what we saw as what was happening is all completely different. So I want to make sure because all these people that I'm going to be talking about are alive. They're around. They have families. They have feelings. They're my family. So I want to make sure that everyone really understands that I'm aware that what I'm talking about is what I recall as my experience. And a lot of this stuff was when I was so young that that recall might not even be correct. But whatever I'm saying is what has, has stuck with me is my reality, I guess, whether or not it's real. So just leaving room for, for that when I do talk about these things. So my mom felt very strongly about me not living by myself, which I think is not unreasonable. I was 17. Um, but in my mind, I kind of felt like I have been working since I was 15. I, you know, I get great grades in school. I go from school to my job. I come home and I, not going to lie, partied, I guess. I partied way more in high school than I did in college. Um, I didn't do drugs or anything, but I did drink. Probably not super responsibly. I would have parties at my dad's house, but like my brothers would come over from my mom's house <laughs> to, to throw the parties with me at my dad's house. And I think he probably knew that was happening, but because of how he was raised and how he parented, it really was as long as you're getting good grades and I'm not getting called by the cops then I've done my job. As long as I'm setting you up for that like financial, successful, educational future, everything else is fine. Which not, I think necessarily, I would take some of that um, into my parenting style, but probably leave some as well because there was a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure put on grades, which I think I was, I'm, I'm lucky like school came easy to me. I didn't have to study really hard. So I could go to school and work and have my own money um, because in my family also, money was a 
tool for control. So as soon as I could, I wanted to work and make my own money. So that tool couldn't be used on me. So when my mom wanted custody, it started a court battle, which stirred up a lot of um, negative feelings about how I felt she had parented me when I was younger. And I guess probably what it boiled down to was in my head, oh, like you want to you be my mom now? You want to parent now? I don't need you now. In my head, I was an adult. And it went to court. It was a battle. And then I turned 18 and probably not even metaphorically gave the whole situation the finger and was like, what you going to do now? I'm 18. You can't do anything about it. So didn't really set us up for a great couple years going into college. And we actually didn't talk for quite some time, which I think for people that are familiar with the show will be very shocking and surprising. So I went into college uh, at IU. My boyfriend's family moved me into the dorms at that time because we just never really did that. I don't know. Like my dad was like if he, as long as he provided, like he was providing the education, he was providing the housing, he was providing the money for the books and the laptop. Like his love language was financial security and, and being able to provide those things. It wasn't moving me into my first dorm room or my first uh, house or, you know, any of those things. So it was, I want to say it was towards the end of my freshman year, I, you know, thought I was developing and growing. And, you know, I had this internal epiphany that was like, why, why am I, why should I be mad at her anymore? Like, it's too heavy a weight to carry. I don't want to be mad anymore. I'm just going to let it go. And again, you know, from, from my perspective, that's what I did. I just let it go. And we started talking again and we really swung to the very far end of the pendulum and got super, super close. And because I guess we never really had what I felt like was a mother-daughter bond, we really became like just best friends, like friends. Like we would talk about things I would talk about with my best friend. I mean, she would she would talk to me about sex and, and blowjobs and, you know, whatever it was. It wasn't a typical mother-daughter relationship. It was more like a counterparts than mother-daughter. And it kind of stayed that way throughout the rest of college, you know, into after college. When I was at school, I studied general studies. I got a business and sociology minor because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted a good broad education and I wanted that business base because I knew I didn't want to work for anyone else. And there's a couple things in college that until I had the show and people started asking the question, like, you know, did you do this with your parents when you were little? Like, how did this start? When did you find your passion? Looking back, I can see that that there was this like innate love for designing and building. Um, my very first house that I lived in, I had six other roommates and it had been split into an over-under duplex and I worked for my landlord. So when I started renting, I said, hey, can I take down the wall that was separating them? Um, it was just a terrible, like they'd paneled in this beautiful staircase that was separating the units. And he was like, yeah, just don't break anything and don't hurt anyone. So that was the first wall I demoed. It was in my first house in college. And then I worked for him for a few years. I did the move in, move out inspections. And I would show properties. And I just really fell in love with it, I think, then. But I think that's kind of what sparked it. And towards the end of college, when 
my friends were all like having these jobs lined up because they went to the Cali School of Business and they were all set or they were teachers and they had their jobs and I was still kind of flaily. I decided to buy a house because that was the grown-up thing I could do. And my mom and I at the time, like I said, again, we're very close. And so she was actually willing to co-sign on this first home I bought in a terrible area, very transitional area of downtown Indianapolis. So we closed on that the year I graduated, which was 2007, and just started working. I had a construction loan, but I think it was only $140,000, and the house probably needed about $350,000 of work. So we did demo. Uh, We installed the flooring, the cabinets, the doors, the trim. I was living there while we were finishing it. The boyfriend I had at the time – I had broken up with. And I don't know about you guys, but I am like the most efficient human in the world when I'm single because I would just stay up till two or three in the morning installing trim, painting trim, you know, installing cabinet poles. Once the house was livable, obviously it was not for a while. But I just read the directions. I watched YouTube videos. My mom and I would read the directions on the tool, um, like the flooring when it came in. We read the directions on the box and on the flooring install tool. And We just kind of figured it out, and we had a lot of fun doing it together. And I guess a a little rewind, I think it was my junior, end of sophomore, junior year in college, I was working at the restaurant in Indy that I worked at forever from 18 till I don't even know when. And I was on a double, and it was between shifts, and I had obviously gone home for something, and and I was at a stoplight, and I got hit from the back. a gentleman in some giant old Cadillac, probably going, I think it was upwards of 60 miles an hour, rear-ended me, shoved my car into the intersection, and it rolled twice. And I walked out the back of it because the back glass had shattered. Somehow, the only injuries I came away with were lots of glass in my feet because my shoes flew off um, and I was walking through glass. So that was an experience, obviously, but I got the, – the reason I bring this up is because I got a small settlement. Uh, I think it was around $20,000 for medical bills and things like that. And I – because of this class, this literally one class I took at IU, it was – I think it was a business law class, but I learned about investing like in, in the market and in an IRA. And I had started my IRA and I took that money and I put it in the market. And – Right before the market crashed in 2008, that 20000 had built up to $42,000. And I was like, do I take it all out? It's a risk. I want to buy this first house. I want to make this a thing. I want to renovate another home and flip it. And I did. I pulled almost all of it out. And probably like two months later, the market tanked. So I'm incredibly grateful that I listened to my gut and 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 took the money out when I did because it must have been just a few months after that that the entire market tanked and that money probably would have been gone. But I took that out and my mom and I used it and bought my first – it was a HUD house, $12,000, little teeny tiny house, and we did the majority of the work ourselves. We didn't do like the mechanicals, the plumbing, the electrical, um, anything that can flood or set fire to a house. I always highly recommend you hire out. Um, But pretty much everything else we did, and we were just having so much fun. I was just waiting tables. She was still a lawyer, and we were just kind of doing this on the side because we liked hanging out with each other, and we liked renovating houses. And it kind of went that way for 
a few years. We would do a house a year, maybe start a second one, uh, but didn't have enough money to do really any more than that. And it was just kind of this, this slow, slow burn. And sometime in there, I always tell the dates wrong in the order of events, but somewhere in there I met my husband. So we got engaged. He did this epic scavenger hunt around Indiana. This is very few women's dream, but it was mine. I'm a huge Colts fan. I've gone with my dad since I can remember. We I grew up across the street from the Colts training camp, and he proposed on the 50-yard line of the training camp facility. Uh, couldn't get into the actual uh, you know, stadium, but that was a perfect runner-up. So we got engaged. Um, we got married, oh, a year or so later. And when we came back from our honeymoon, we got a kid because my niece at the time, um, my sister was in a really bad way. And um, there was a, a Department of Child Services case opened. And Steve and I were her foster parents for about a year and a half. We got licensed. We planned to continue fostering. And we really thought we were going to adopt her and she was going to be our first kid. That's the direction all signs were pointing. My sister wasn't making any of the changes, doing any of the things she needed to do. Um, And she'd been with us for a really long time. And then one day, she was just gone. Steve and I haven't really even talked about it a ton, but I think – because she's back now. (laughs) My parents have her. She's eight and that's actually finally um, changed to the adoption process. So they will be adopting her. I think that bond that we both formed with her and then was broken so quickly and dramatically because we didn't get to see her. My sister just took her and disappeared, really did some long-lasting damage to Steve and I. And, you know, I think his ability to trust and develop that love and that bond because she was she was his and then she wasn't. And then, you know, she's back eight years later. So it's this really weird, challenging dynamic. Um, and, you know, is she going to actually get adopted? Like how close do you get? So it's um, that whole that whole thing is very challenging. But I wouldn't change anything because at that time she was a year and a half to about three. And from everything I've learned, that time is so important in kids' lives. And even if it was just that time and then she went back to what was not a good environment, she at least had that time where she developed bonds and knew how to develop love and trust and all those things that I hope was able to stick with her because she's an amazing kid and she's so happy. And gosh, it wasn't terribly long after that that Steve and I uh, had Jack. Um, I decided to you know, pull the goalie, and we got pregnant the first weekend we were trying, which was very upsetting to Steve because I think for most men, the trying is the fun part. You know, you're like, you're coming home on lunch, and you're having all this sexy time, and it's great. And then it's like, oh, I'm pregnant, and now I have morning sickness. Don't touch me. So it happened super quick. Had Jack. He was amazing. It was a terrible labor. I'm a control freak. I wanted to schedule a C-section. That's frowned upon if you, you know, if you don't have to. I did convince my doctor to schedule for um, an induced labor. Uh, and that didn't go well, which was probably the universe telling me to stop trying to control things because you can't. And so it was 35, 36 hours. Um, and they finally did a C-section. And I don't even remember most of it, to be honest, because I was delirious. But we had Jack 
He was amazing. I thought he was the cutest thing in the world. He looked like an alien baby bird. Looking back on pictures now, I'm like, you're cute now, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I This is why, you know, there's that emotional bond. So you don't give them away when all they're doing is crying and not doing anything cute and earning their keep. And then we started pretty, um, pretty much right after that trying to have Charlie and learned what secondary infertility is. Didn't know that was a thing. I don't think a lot of people talk about it. And so I learned a lot about it. I started talking about it. And I had really built my whole life around like what my family was going to be. Like literally my house was built around there's the two kids' bedrooms. There's a playroom around the corner so it can stay messy and Steve won't lose his mind. All these things that then all of a sudden weren't a thing anymore. And it was heartbreaking. So there was a lot of, you know, dealing with that while at the second time checking the box, you know, getting a second opinion. So we went to, um, you know, the other good fertility specialist in Indy. And he was like, yeah, no, your first doctor's not wrong, but we can keep trying if you want. You're too late in your cycle to do anything medicated, but we could just do a regular old IUI, which if you aren't familiar, it's really just the turkey baster method. It's very romantic. My husband provides his sample and literally to keep it the temperature it's supposed to be at, they are like, just hold this in your fist. Don't let go. And then they come in with this really tiny like turkey baster tube and squirt it up in you. Uh, I wish it was, you know, fancier than that, but it's not. And I don't know what you believe in. I question all the time, like, where I was raised Catholic. So whether this is a miracle, God's grace, good luck. I got pregnant and it was exciting and amazing. And, you know, we have Charlie, who is the the cutest little thing. And that's our life now. We've got Jack and Charlie. We've got Frank. Our, our big boy and live in my house with the two kids rooms and the playroom and, you know, it's all working out. And then the show at some point in there just kind of crept in. Um, it was before Steve and I got married and, you know, I'm sure I sounded crazy to him because I was like, I might have this show on HGTV. He's like, okay, yeah, she's hot. She's a little crazy, but at least she's hot. And, and then it turned into a thing. And eight seasons later now, the camera crew, the the public has lived through all those experiences I just talked about with me on social media, on the show. Um, and this podcast is really just hopefully a platform to talk more about those things, to talk more about even things that I haven't experienced, but that maybe are the uncomfortable thing or things that I'm just interested in. You know, it's becoming this running joke on my social media platform, like the weird feet people who who love feet. And I want to know more about this world. I'm very interested. I want to talk to someone who makes money selling feet pictures. I want to talk about all the things. So this is going to give us the place to do that. I'll have guests on sometimes. Some of them will be, you know, other experts, other um, professionals in various fields. Steve will be in. Steph and Meg, who are our producers on this side, uh, Meg's on right now. Well, they'll chime in um, because a lot of times while I'm talking, they're the ones that have to listen live. So you'll hear them. I'll have some of my Two Chicks team in here on occasion. And really, it's it's going to be anything goes. We're really going to lean on you guys to call in and ask questions on the recorded line to be able to get the people in to talk about the things that you want to know about. So this uh, intro episode about Nina in a nutshell 
really ended up going a little longer than it should, but that's probably how most of the episodes are going to go. I love, one of my favorite things in the world is the quick fire questions, and I want to do them with guests uh, that we have on. And uh, Meg, who is uh, my producer, is on now, and she says she has quick fire questions for me, but I did not get to know them in advance, obviously, or they wouldn't be quick fire. So I'm so ready. Well, yeah, I just thought, you know, you're going to end up asking people these sorts of questions. So I thought it'd be fun if you could get to have a go first. Yeah. And people can get to know you a little bit better along the way. Oh, I love it. Are you ready? Also, you guys, everything Meg says is amazing because she has an accent. <laughs> I apologize. I'm with it. I w- no, you don't have to apologize for having a majestic voice. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Comedy or horror? Oh, comedy. Snow or sunshine? Sunshine. Passenger or driver? Oh, driver. I'm a terrible passenger. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Iced. Homemade or takeout? <laughs> takeout. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Definitely dogs. Sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunrise? I think it's changed as I've gotten older. I get up early now, so I'm going to take sunrise. Football or basketball? Football. Text or call? Oh, text. What's with these kids now? They FaceTime call. Everyone like... Everyone video calls now, like my younger friends. I don't get it. Is that, is that, you're younger than me. Is that a thing? It's voice notes that annoy me. Don't interrupt my day of a voice uh, note. It really, uh, yeah. as an audio editor as well, I've, I'm busy working. I can't stop listening to And listen, listen to, to it. To That's say. why like no one turns the sound on when they're on Instagram. You can't send a voice memo, <laughs> let alone video call me and just text me. It's just inconvenient, isn't it? I feel old. I'm old and cranky. <laughs> Uh, and lastly be able to fly or read minds oh read minds read minds someone asked me fly or be invisible and i think i said invisible and it's supposed to like mean something very deep which i haven't googled yet people will be like psychoanalyzing your answers as to what exactly that means 100 (laughs) percent. yeah well and i feel like it's a really good business move to be able to read minds I don't know how to play chess. I was going to say I'm terrible at it. I literally don't know where the pieces even go. But in my head, it'd be like, you know, knowing every move. So you could be very successful, I think. (laughs) Thank you guys for following. Obviously, you're here because you've decided to listen to Mina AF. We're going to have a lot of good episodes coming up. And we're just going to do a deep dive into anything and everything. So please make sure you leave a question. Um, There's a link in the show notes. And click to follow and make sure you catch every episode. So thanks again and we'll chat next time.